welcome to Conversations with Leaders in Public Health, a podcast of the Heartland Center at St. Louis University. The production of this podcast was supported by funding from the CDC. Its contents are solely the responsibility of the Heartland Center at St. Louis University and do not necessarily represent the official views of the CDC. We are joined today by Kate Donaldson, Deputy Director of the St. Louis County Department of Public Health, and Damon Broadus, the Department's Director of Health Promotion and Public Health Research. Both Kate and Damon facilitate ongoing development and innovation for the Department's administration and public health programs, including department-wide accreditation, strategic planning, and quality improvement efforts, as well as health promotion, public health research, and assessment, evaluation, and policy. Kate also has a wide range of experience designing and implementing community-based healthy living programs for kids and adults, while Damon is well-respected for his ability to build powerful partnerships and develop key coalitions. Kate, Damon, welcome. We're delighted to have you on our Heartland Center podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the welcome, and we're excited to be here. So let's let's start with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, What were your initial roles in responding to the pandemic and how did you work together to carry out those roles? Sure, so I can take this one first, Damon. Um, So I will say that I think I experienced every single role that was possible here in our pandemic response. One thing that really sticks out to me is at the very beginning, you know, when we first had um, some of our suspected or reported cases, um, we stood up quickly um, a 24-hour phone line um, and built it out of nothing. And so one of my first responsibilities was taking the overnight shifts to make sure that we were responsive to concerns from the community. Um, And then that transitioned as we really stood up all of our emergency protocols and operated with all of our partners in the region and so served as the incident commander in many spaces and helped um, lead our efforts both in the region and then also um, with our internal um, efforts here. So really kind of got uh, hands in a lot of things and towards the end really focused on our data surveillance case investigation, contact tracing um, and community response. And Kate, in September 2022, you were named the co-director of the St. Louis County Health Department. What were some of the specific challenges and opportunities you experienced during that time? Sure. So, yes, um, I became the acting co-director there in September. And so really it was a period um, that I wanted to make sure that I can support um, our staff. We have great leaders and great staff across um, the department who, you know, we've been in a long-term pandemic response and undergoing leadership transitions. And so really I wanted to focus on stability um, and just empowering the leaders and staff that we had in that time of transition. And so, um, you know, we were making sure that we got our 2024 budget approved and continuing um, our ongoing pandemic response and going through some pretty big um, initiatives with our animal control um, group. And so we just, you know, wanted to provide that foundation um, and stability as we were making our way forward. And I'd say luckily uh, for me and for our agency, uh, we are thrilled to have Dr. Cunningham who joined 
um, our team as the director in January. And so um, it was just great to provide that um, leadership for the short time and then move back into my deputy director role. Okay. Well, Damon, thinking about on your work during the pandemic, what is one thing that happened that you didn't expect? One thing that happened that I didn't expect. There were there were lots of things, as Kate intimated, there was so much going on with the pandemic response. When I started in January of 2021, uh, one of the first you know, things that me and my team were charged with was creating the North and South County outreach groups uh, to help overcome the inequities in both areas uh, of the St. Louis County region. And I would say the response by the different groups uh, was one thing I did not expect. And by that, I, I mean, we, we were very successful and community partners were proactive and responsive to the call to helping us build a community outreach infrastructure uh, for people of color, immigrant communities, people with functional needs and others who are underserved in our area, like the unhoused. Uh, uh, the the response that we received from over from over fifty different stakeholder groups uh, to partner with and coordinate communications, messaging, uh, pre registration uh, to get the vaccine. If you think back, that that that's when the new COVID vaccines were approved. So spending a, a, a you know I'll say that first four to six weeks standing up that infrastructure, uh, you know, meeting with prominent leaders from uh, the faith community, housing, social justice, uh, all, all those things were, uh, as you say, uh, I won't say it was unexpected because it was planned, but the response was was huge. And, and uh, you know, you could probably say overwhelming because we were doing every everything from hosting uh, online, uh, town halls, you know, Zoom was was our friend at that point in time, uh, and uh, Zoom and WebEx. And so we were doing a, a lot of uh, hosting of virtual town hall meetings in partnership with, with a number of different groups like the NAACP, MPHC, uh, the Clergy Coalition, uh, groups like that. Well, St. Louis County, your county department actively participates in multiple community partnerships and coalitions. And I know the goal is to able to collaborate across institutional boundaries with a focus on um, promoting health equity and social justice. Um, and you really have a, a, a keen focus on vulnerable and traditionally underserved communities. Why is it important for you to be there representing St. Louis County in these partnerships and coalitions? Well, I'll, I'll field that one. I, I think it's important for us to be there uh, because we have a, a regional community health improvement plan, uh, which is, uh, I'll say, led or driven by both St. Louis City and county health departments, uh, along with other community partners. And we're all working together to build a healthier and more equitable region. Uh, and that, that's the primary mission. But, you know, following, uh, you know, we conduct a, a number of different community health assessments. Uh, uh, and, and following those health assessments, uh, that regional coalition uh, develops a community health improvement plan to, to help guide our, our efforts. Uh, we're currently in the throes of, of, of updating uh, the community health improvement plan from 2019 to 2024. We're looking ahead uh, for the next three to five years. And what are some of those uh, priorities that should guide 
uh, our community health work. So we we have partners at the table uh, who are focusing on addressing the social determinants of health as a root cause uh, of community health disparities, uh, eliminating those disparities in health and promoting health and racial equity, uh, uh, as well as improving the local public health system. And all those groups that I mentioned earlier, they make up the local public health system. People think it's just about the local public health uh, agency itself, uh, you know, our health departments, but but it's not. They make up, you know, when you talk about a social determinants uh, perspective, they make up that health system and it needs to be able to uh, collectively address the needs of the region, whether it's housing, employment, uh, chronic disease, uh, other population health uh, uh, concerns, violence prevention, uh, you know, data, data uh, uh, collection and analysis, uh, and then finally the COVID-19 response are, are examples of why it's important that we, you know, collaborate across institutional uh, boundaries uh, to promote health equity and social justice. Yeah, I agree, Damon, and you're exactly right. And I think what I would add to that space is that it's so important um, for the health department and specifically local government to be in those conversations and leading those spaces because um, our residents need to know that we stand um, in those values that we're promoting health equity and addressing um, these concerns because, you know, obviously, government has often played a role in systemic and structural racism. And so to be at that table and working to undo those harms um, and do better is important that we're at the table leading those efforts and then um, making sure that other voices are heard to move efforts forward. Can you give an example of a project or initiative that you are particularly proud of um, that has evolved from one of these partnerships or coalition and, and tell us why that one would be special. Sure, I'll start and then Damon, um, you can speak to you know, what sticks out in your mind, but I will say um, pre-pandemic um, in response to community unrest and trauma and um, police violence, right? Um, St. Louis County and St. Louis City and many partners in the region um, were involved with our recast initiative um, that focused on mental health, youth engagement, um, peer support, et cetera. And to me, what has been so important about that initiative and then the work that we're seeing that continues from there is the focus on community engagement, but also participatory budgeting. So, you know, actively engaging our residents to um, talk about what it is that's needed in the community and then how we should fund that and then how those funds should be spent within organizations. And so that was. Um, new for the county. And then we've continued to see um, that we were able to do participatory budgeting as part of our COVID response. And then we're building that into more initiatives in the future. And so I really think that that set the foundation for how we would like to design and implement programs and support our community-based organizations. And just to build on that, you know, I would I would agree. Uh, we're we're in the in the midst of recast 2.0, if you will, uh, when talking about you know solidifying, sustaining, and and building upon it, some of those community-based participatory uh, efforts uh, that happened over the last two years. Uh, you know, I would I would point to our efforts uh, around our community health worker uh, uh, 
infrastructure building uh, that we're involved in uh, right now uh, across the region. It's it's our organization as the lead agency uh, working with, again, the St. Louis City Department of Health, uh, Beyond Housing, the Affordable uh, Housing Group, the Community Development Corporation, really, uh, and uh, others who are helping sustain, uh, well, build and sustain the community health uh, worker workforce uh, with the goal of, you know, not only training, uh, deploying and engaging them in the community to address uh, not only COVID-19, but also helping build resiliency. So going forward, how do we have resident led or individual level uh, strategies uh, that are that are led by community health workers that that are integrated into our clinic, as well as into the community? Uh, that's part of the the deployment strategy. And I just think that helps sustain and elevate that community voice uh, uh, as an example. Uh, and then I would also point to, uh, you know, the framework that, that Kate just mentioned uh, that's been built uh, through Recast will be leveraged and utilized as we move forward to deploy resources around our opioid uh, crisis and, and the, the response by, again, elevating community voices Voices asking, uh, you know, community uh, trusted messengers, if you will. And I didn't mention that earlier. I think that that's that's the value of uh, some of our uh, work around COVID response as well uh, is, you know, uh, involving and recruiting those entities uh, who are trusted messengers in the community to help with uh, some of our life saving efforts, uh, but doing it, you know, at a population uh, health level. Uh, and I, I could go on and on. I could point out some of our misinformation campaigns that we did in partnership uh, with the regional response team, uh, the Health Communications Research Laboratory at WashU. I think you know, pointing to uh, some of the things that allowed us to counteract uh, some of the misinformation uh, that was going on uh, at, at the inception of, of our COVID response. I think you know, just having uh, uh, the ability to create a, a misinformation response system, uh, you know, whether through social media or texting, things like that. So we've we, we've had a significant impact. But as we as we move forward, uh, how can we sustain uh, some of these uh, community based participatory efforts? Hey, okay. um, Pete, in your career, you have been particularly focused on empowering people to be healthy. How did that become a passion of yours and what work have you been engaged in related to healthy living that makes you particularly proud? Sure. Thank you. I, you know, I was I noodling over this question, right? It kind of gets to that. What is, what drives me? Um, and, you know, why do we do the work that we do? And I think underneath it all, right, is that I've I feel like I've always believed that health is a human right. And then just seeing all the different ways that um, that has been taken from people and the way that we can then tear that down um, and make um, our communities a place where people have the opportunity to be healthy and just um, trying to tackle different ways um, to address that. Um, as you can see, we're both very passionate about the ways that we engage with our community and um, wanting to empower um, all of our different residents. And so I think um, thinking through, you know, the different projects and initiatives that I've been a part of, 
one thing that really stands out to me is the chance. And I guess I would say one of the reasons that I love local governmental public health is the chance to really shape and influence um, local policy. And so you know, over the past four to five years, I guess, we have been fortunate to pass several ordinances here in St. Louis County that really set the standard um, in the state to protect our youth from tobacco products. Um, and so just the chance to work with our community partners, our legislators, and get a chance to um, improve those and protect our youth is something that I'm really proud of. And I'm happy to see that um, that work will continue to strengthen. It'll be around, right? Like the the impact of policy can be so great. And so to see those um, take place, the process that it, we go through to get those on the books and then how that um, sets the stage for continued protection of um, our youth has been really great to see. Damon, what's the biggest challenging you're facing right now in your you know, the role that you have right now, and how are you tackling it? You've got a lot of projects going on. Yeah, a lot of projects that you know hopefully will lead to uh, improved policy change, like Kate just alluded to. Uh, probably the biggest uh, challenge is you know addressing those, those current public health practices and needs. You know. You know the, the downstream uh, projects, if you will. You know, uh, addressing infant mortality, life expectancy. Uh, you know, uh, dealing with not only communicable disease because that's one of our other eight uh, divisions within uh, the Department of Public Health. But you know, in my division, we have chronic disease uh, uh, and and violence prevention. Uh, so you know, how do we go from the downstream? moving more upstream and looking at some of those emerging public health practices and you know policy uh change and systems change is instrumental to that and so with that you know knowing that public health was 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 decimated quite honestly uh during the, the during the pandemic rebuilding that and then how do we expand uh, the functions that we're currently pursuing uh, around capacity building or community capacity building, community organizing, uh, civic engagement, if you will. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, not only was public health uh, uh, injured uh, gravely, but, you know, some of our strategic partners, a lot of organizations are under new leadership. Uh, and so when when we're talking about addressing institutional inequities, you know, getting uh, private corporations and other businesses involved, as Kate just pointed out, government agencies are that backbone leading the way now. Uh, uh, and who are some of the other entities that we can rely on? Uh, schools, for example, uh, what are some of the laws and regulations? Again, as Kate just pointed out, we have a number of uh, ordinances uh, that have passed and we're we're still working on uh, 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 when it comes to other issues, you know, around, I'll you know, say, individual health behavior, modification, smoking, uh, things like that, alcohol, uh, substances, substance use disorders, things like that. But what, how can we move further upstream, as I said earlier, to address those upstream uh, uh, issues and, and, and creating uh, those, those, uh, interventions at, at a population health level. Uh, I think I'll stop there. <laughs> okay. Um, Kate, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? All right. 
Well, I think I will first acknowledge that I would not be the first to write in this space or probably even the best, but I have found um, probably since forever um, joy in indoor and outdoor plants and gardening. Um, I have found it to be soothing and um, a therapy of its own kind. And I would say, so over the course of the pandemic, um, when we were all putting in so many hours and stress and all those things, I have become an indoor plant fanatic. Um, and, you know, really kind of thinking about why that is. And I, it's the meditation and the caretaking. And um, I think that it would be kind of fun to talk about not just the care of the plants, but why that has become meaningful for me, why digging in the dirt and um, yeah, I don't know. Everybody who works with me knows that's my new obsession. So I figure if I'm obsessed about it now, I should probably write about it. Interesting. Um, Damon, same question. What would your book be about? Wow. Uh, I probably would, I probably would need a, a stress reliever like Kate has shared uh, because I, I, uh, I, I think about John Henry, it would probably be uh, John Henryism. Uh, if you're familiar with that strategy for coping uh, with uh, prolonged ex exposure to stresses, uh, such as social discrimination, uh, and just, you know, finding ways to uh, uh, expand the high level of energy that I have, uh, I think the book would be called John Henry is Not a Myth to Me. Uh, and, and as I said, you know, it's, it's a public health uh uh, what do you call it? public health uh, practice or 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 uh, or originates in public health. Uh, John Henryism uh, originates in public health, and it was a uh, epidemiologist and a public health researcher uh, from the 1970s that in that investigated racial health uh, disparities between uh, black people and others in North Carolina, specifically around blood pressure. Uh, and, and knowing that I contracted it at, a, at, a, at an early age, hypertension, that is, contracted it at an early age, I was just enamored that there was a research study done around this. And it, you know, the, 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 the themes that were deemed important in measuring uh, John Henryism in, include the efficacy of mental and physical vigor, a strong commitment to hard work, uh, which I have, and I got it from my grandparents and my parents, uh, and then just a, a single-minded determination to succeed. Uh, being a first-generation college student, I think that's why John Henryism applied to me because I'm, you know, I always felt okay. I'm, I'm applying undue press, pressure and stress to myself to succeed and to succeed at all costs. Uh, and so this job uh, allows that to be an outlet, but to Kate's point, I need a new outlet so I can become, uh, I'll say more <laughs> stress-free. I, I, I don't know if there's less, less stress, but I, I need to become more stress-free. Uh, but my book again would be called John Henry is, is not a myth to me. Damon, I would read your book. And also, I am so impressed that you have a title for this mythical book. So if I could also ask you to name whatever book I would come up with. <laughs> I'm thinking something with a green thumb is what I'm thinking. I don't know. All right. I like it. Okay. 
Kate Donaldson is Deputy Director and Damon Broadus is Director of Health Promotion and Public Health Research in the St. Louis County Department of Public Health. Thank you both for your time today. Conversations with Leaders in Public Health, presented by the Heartland Center, located in the College for Public Health and Social Justice on the campus of St. Louis University at the heart of Midtown St. Louis. Health through justice for all. Local, regional, and global communities that are healthy, thriving, and just.